Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East. Today we're here with our good friends Pallavi and Richard. I've known these guys for ages. Pallavi and Richard co-own Roar, which is uh, one of Dubai's award-winning um, architectural and interior firms. So these guys have been uh, doing some amazing stuff. Richard's written two books. He's also the um, host of Business Breakfast on 103.8. So he's uh, had a lot of experience with a lot of uh, businesses out here in Dubai. He gets to meet a lot of cool entrepreneurs on his show. So today we thought we'd have them over here to share the experience of building Roar. Uh, I know Pallavi since she was in college, so uh, I've kind of seen that journey firsthand. But today I thought we'd share that with uh, you guys on the show. So uh, Pallavi, Richard, show. yeah. Thank if, you. Hey, good to be here. <laughs> All right. So um, if you guys could uh, give us a little bit of background for our listeners, uh, how you guys started in Dubai, what happened. Yeah. So, you know, Dubai is my home. I was born and raised here and, you know, I have lived here for a very long time. I went to university, you know, just mm -hmm. down the road, American University of Sharjah. So for me, it was kind of, I always wanted to see if that theory of homegrown talent, being able to compete with sort of the big international names was true. Mm -hmm. And Roar kind of started just as an experiment, right? I thought I'll do this in my free time. Let's see what comes out of it. Mm. And it just kind of snowballed into a real company. Like I was so grown up, I went from my guest room to an office in D3 now. So it happened very organically. It happened as a sort of experiment to see if, you know, a small kind of charger girl mm -hmm. could really compete against the big names and we've been doing that for the last six years that's wow, very cool great. so um and richard what about you like uh when did you end up coming to dubai how did this whole uh dubai experience come about so i mean compared to you guys i'm a newbie because i've <laughs> yeah, only yeah. been here since 98 yeah. ah, 30 years <laughs> exactly I, I moved here and i was in my mid-20s i came to work for motivate publishing okay which publishes magazines like what's on like mm. emirates woman and gulf business was the magazine i came to work for as a as a young business journalist and that was cool and i did my two years in dubai and like good expats back then, I left after two years and went back to London. Uh, but I'm a double boomerang because I came back three years later. And then Pallavi and I in 2007 moved to London together right. where, well, after we'd met. And we, we lived there for a couple of years, which is great and great fun. And we came back. Mm -hmm. back end of 2008 and we've been here ever since so, so your third time back in third tour of duty and i've been here 11 years <laughs> that's awesome yeah um so how did uh, business breakfast end up happening like uh, was it a extension of your job before yeah business breakfast well i like I said, I'm a business journalist. So by mid-2000s, I was working at Reuters and working for the Financial Times. Mm -hmm. And when you work for these big names, people think you know what you're talking about. You don't, obviously. You're just <laughs> winging it like the rest of the world. But, but you have a certain credibility. So yeah. when Dubai I started, they wanted someone to come in just for five minutes in the morning and talk about business stories. Okay. And I did that. And very quickly, they thought, hang on, we could build a show around this. Yeah. Oh, not, awesome. just, not because Richard Dean's so spectacularly good, but because business is business is lucrative in any media mm. now yeah. this was the mid 2000s before the internet had really decimated advertising revenue mm. for, for newspapers but essentially th that was the thinking and so they built an entire show called the business breakfast around this idea of having a, a business show it wasn't my idea i didn't build 
business breakfast. I was a launch presenter, but other people mm-hmm. built the idea. Okay. Very and cool. what have you, I mean, would you say your conversations at business breakfast, people you've met through them, uh, through the show, has that helped with your own business as well and inform certain decisions that you've made? How much of an influence has it had on your life? Because we've heard about the influences had on other people. So yeah. I'm just curious. Well, the myth is that my role as presenting Business Breakfast feeds into what Pallavi does at, at Raw. And I should say that we own the business together, but Pallavi's the architect, the designer. Mm-hmm. We just happen to own it 50-50 because we're married and we're, that's how we roll. But it's Pallavi's <laughs> business. So let, mm-hmm. let's state that from the outset. Okay. Um, so I'm now a, a non-executive director of the company. He just gets the heavy dividend check at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, keeping how it convenient. How convenient. Hey, we should be 50-50 on a jar car. I want that dividend uh, check. For all intents and reasons we are, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's a joint bank account, yeah. so whatever. It doesn't, doesn't make a difference. So, uh, look, what do I do? Um, I have referred business in the past. You know, I meet a lot of people presenting mm. Business Breakfast, which is which is useful. So that can feed through into business development. It's not a big role by but any means. But I think means. it's interesting because... You know, when I first launched the company, I said to Richard, look, I'm starting up this company. I want you on board. Help me with business development. Mm. And he's like, listen, you're not a a proven brand yet. So I can't really advertise you. I can't (laughs) talk about you. I'm not going to definitely get you on the radio show. And at the time I was like, wow, you have no faith in me. (laughs) But I appreciated him doing that at the time because I know now that the business is self-made. It Mm. had very little input but from you sort of in the three, you know, we never roped into your Rolodex of business cards or what have you. And it just but, happened on the But shouldn't you leverage what you've yeah. got? I mean, of course there's merit in doing it on, on your own and, and, and that's great. But I think, I mean, a lot of advice that uh, we give to startups is if you know someone in the mm-hmm. media, use it. You know, if you know someone who has contacts that can help you, use it because we're living in a really competitive, oversaturated world. So, yeah. so why not leverage it? So. Well, Palavi's never appeared on Business Breakfast, and that's partly because Business Breakfast is part of Dubai Holding, which owns this tower block that we're, mm-hmm. uh, that we're, we're sitting in now. Right. It's a huge organization, and mm. big organizations have big Rules. policies about conflict of, of interest and governance, yeah. and that's absolutely as it should be. So I can't yeah. say, oh, right, that's we're doing right. a feature yeah, on yeah, design. Yeah. I know this wonder. You can't do that. Yeah. Because okay, I, I've signed all kinds that. of documents. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. You know, so, yes, I would leverage my other contacts, but there's no kind of relationship there. There's no kind of, he's not getting a dividend check, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah. fair play, I think. Yeah. Great. So um, you started out of your guest room, and uh, it was just you by yourself? Yeah. And I, I remember sort of, you know, like we talked about this, it's all about the hustle. It's all mm. about winging yeah. it. I remember going into I, my first project, in fact, happened to be a 300 key hotel. Wow. With okay. one of the largest hotel operators in the world. And I remember going in and they were like, okay, great. You know, we love your work. We love you. You can do this. And I was like, sure. They're like, you've got a massive team, right? I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll hire them tomorrow, but you know, I got this. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So, um, how did that happen, though? Like, how did it go? Like, how did you end up uh, pitching for that in the first place? I I was working for a very large architectural company here, Gadge, Godwin Austin Johnson, and mm. my speciality was hospitality design. Okay. And how did it come about? That's a really good question. It was my professor from university okay. who'd moved on and become oh. the head of development at oh, wow. a Kuwaiti investment firm. Okay. And. Uh, 
how serendipitous. I mean, you'd never yeah. expect a professor. But then, you know, because I also teach at the American University of Sharjah. Okay. It's amazing how much work I also get from my students. So really? there's something to be said. I think being- goodwill, definitely. Like, it, it comes around, I think, if you give back by yeah. teaching and things. And, and I also think that if you maintain relationships, I mean, your professor would have recommended you because... You stayed top of I was mind. A, I was an A grade student, okay, right? Okay. Probably that's why. So, I so, so do good in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Note to self. <laughs> so that's something I wanted to touch on. Both of you guys have taught before, like teach in university and things like that. Um, first of all, I know that it's uh, fulfilling uh, to teach, uh, but uh, do you think it really helps you establish yourself as a thought, thought leader in your industry? Do you, is that is that one of the reasons you do it or is it just well i'll tell you what it was one of the most surprising things i've ever done i taught journalism for two years at middlesex university in dubai okay. to 18 year olds so first year undergraduate level and this was about seven eight years ago and i thought i've been in this business for about 20 years now working for some of the world's elite media organizations reuters economists been through all the training programs I know so much, they know nothing. This is going to be a doddle. And it is one of the hardest things I've ever done. To class of 50 or 60, preparing the lectures every week. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing knowing how to do something. And you're the same, you know, you with advertising, Mamta, mm. and you with with, with all things technology that, yeah. that, that, that you're related to. But to reduce it to first principles and teach it is very, very difficult. You've got to really think and deconstruct that subject and then rebuild it mm-hmm. from the bottom up. So that was really, really hard, let alone marking 50 essays every week. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really, really hard. But it does... it. The, what it does is it forces you, like I said, mm. to understand your field, whatever that field is, from first principles. Because to teach mm-hmm. something, you have to. Whether it's how to build a car engine, you've got to really understand it to teach it. Mm-hmm. And that was useful. And that practice was useful in, in writing the book I've just written, Crowd Pleaser, the 100 Greatest Public Speaking Tips of All Time, from Socrates to Steve Jobs. Amazing. By understanding communication from first principles really helps, even though it's a very popular book with lots of cartoons, mm-hmm. to be able to write a pop book mm-hmm. about a subject with snappy 500-word summaries, you've actually got to really understand it. And I was doing my master's degree simultaneously, which gives you that depth of understanding. So yes, really, really useful. And your story with design is similar. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So I went back to academia just because I love it. Like it's, it's a huge part of my personality. And I thought this is going to be great. You know, I do this every single day. I <laughs> studied at this university. How hard could it be? But it's interesting because design is such an intuitive process for yeah. me. And I'm sure you yeah. understand this. But as Richard said, breaking it down to the first principles, helping somebody else find their design voice and giving them the basics, you know, to kind of train themselves through it. Mm. So, but I still love it. You know, I can't do it full time anymore just because Mm. the practice is taking up so much of my time along Mm. with our two young children. Mm. So I go back and I teach maybe once a semester and I do it at different universities, like either in Dubai or Sharjah. But I love that connection. It's also a great kind of space to find fresh blood, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Have yeah. you recruited a lot from the university yes. that you've taught at? Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, our studio is an all-girls studio. <laughs> and a lot of my students have come through, done two years, done a year, moved on to their master's, or moved on to bigger practice. Really? Okay. Practices for my firm. That's, That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so recently, um, what happened is, uh, one of my, uh, her cousin's friends, we were out for dinner, 
and she's an architect by the way she's just i think she's just a graduate and um and like something happened i was looking at my phone she's like oh do you know pallavi i was like yeah she's like oh my god you know pallavi <laughs> like, <laughs> like from pdi i was like yeah so by the way uh, her company's name was pdi before pallavi dean interiors pallavi dean interiors and yeah. you changed it recently yeah. so yeah. what's the story behind that that's a, that's a really good question i think so it was pallavi dean interiors cuz mm. like i said i started the business thinking i'm just going to freelance you know do one hotel in my mm. spare time how mm. hard could this be mm. but then we started becoming like a magnet for really top talent mm. and i just thought it was a bit narcissist and a bit self obsessed to have my name on the door okay. and that was one side of it mm. i wanted to celebrate all the other talent in the studio and that's why roar came out came mm. about you know richard came up with the name and has a very i really like the name yeah, it's, it's cool. a very good name yeah it's I got like a very it. fierce feline energy to it so yeah. it kind of suits us really well that was yeah. one reason um but also you know what i found is when it was my name on the door i had to be at every single meeting mm. and that that's still the case i think but i'm trying to wean the company of it being all about me it's about right. the other designers in the studio yeah so it's um, in the interest of scaling basically 100% yeah so uh, you guys recently opened a studio in london as well right yeah so um, how challenging has it been being like a a small uh and a small business uh i think you just had a few designers right and now you're growing in dubai and now you're expanding to a different country yeah is I that i saw on the website that you've worked with in eight markets or something eight, yeah eight different countries eight yeah. different countries so i can imagine that i mean six years old six years is not that long so yeah. so it's been uh it's been quite a journey so what were the challenges in opening up new markets and yeah i mean that's an interesting question like look It's funny because in my first year of operation we had a project in Tunisia we had a project in Oman second mm. year of, of operation we had Uganda we had Tanzania okay. so it was never on the agenda to be this big international portfolio practice it happened it organically just happened okay. okay and to go back to how did it happen and it, it always comes back to kind of we do a lot of kind of thought papers we okay. speak at a lot of conferences mm. and that's how it happened okay. you know so people talk about oh we saw you there we really liked what you were saying she was a yeah. portfolio yeah so i'd never discount participating in these events and mm. these conferences and giving back. I mean we started it as a way of kind of just giving back and just doing some research that interested us. Mm. Yeah. But again it kind of grew from there. Okay. So setting up in London again we had two projects there, two very mm. high end residential luxury homes. Yeah. And it was really hard to service it remotely. And we thought, listen, one of my old colleagues who'd been with Roar since its inception mm. moved back to the UK. Mm. And I was like, oh this is perfect yeah. you want to be... run roar london yeah. yeah and so again it's you know it just it's happened, happened organically okay very cool um so uh, part of what you were saying um uh, i mean we we agree with that as well and like we think like um you know this podcast is also a way of doing that it's just like giving back a little bit like helping people who are looking to start a business like get a better idea of what it takes or what you could possibly do and uh, it helps us in return as well because lots of people reach out to us because of the podcast and mm. they're like interested in knowing more about business maybe they uh, they you know they look at us differently compared mm. to if like they never heard of us before mm -hmm. so it definitely helps to put yourself out there mm. yeah so but there's also you, yes it does but maybe now is a good time to talk about 
tall poppy syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is that? Tall poppy syndrome is this idea, we didn't invent it, that the, the, the tallest poppy in the field will mm-hmm. often have its head chopped off because it, everyone can see it and it's there to be shot at. Okay. okay. And the fact that you're now very high profile, you know, what, 20 odd thousand followers on Instagram in a lot of mainstream media is overwhelmingly a good thing because you, you've got to market your business, you've got to be mm. out there yeah. and that's fine, but it does create some resentment and, and it can backfire, can't it? Mm. I mean, for example, I don't know what, the, the Delavi slum video, oh you got a yes. bit of backlash on. You know, ah, I saw, I I saw, saw that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting, right? So yeah. just going back to kind of what you said, mm. when you put yourself out there, yes, you know, like your cousin loves our work, yeah. loves that. But I get a lot of comments like, oh my God, you're overexposed. Every time I open a magazine, it's like spam. <laughs> and you know, people actually come up and tell me this stuff and I'm like, Hang on, guys. I'm like kind of a sensitive person. Can you tone it down a bit? But what they don't realize is I'm a small business. It's called PR and marketing, not narcissists. I'm not going on my Instagram account and saying, oh, look at my new shoes. Look at my new watch. You know, people do that. Yeah, you're talking about your business. I'm not a vlogger. I'm talking about my work, my business. Hey, nothing wrong with vloggers. Some of my best friends are. No, <laughs> no but the thing is, like, I started vlogging to promote my business. Yes. I thought, it, okay, uh, like, how can I quickly reach a large audience of people who are, like, looking to visit Dubai, yeah. create content around 100%. people who, uh, like, are looking to visit Dubai. But so we started creating... Content. Yeah, yeah, so we started creating content value, yeah. not about, not like, best places to visit in Dubai. Yeah. Like, how much does it cost to live in Dubai? Like, all those things targeted towards my target audience and it worked like you know people started like we increased our um, website reach organically without even ranking on search just because of the content out there you know because Mm. it takes time to rank on search it takes ages yeah yeah so yeah but you know like like richard was saying there is always kind of a little bit of a dark side to it and yeah, you know like sure. and if, sure. if you've been out there and if you are sensitive you kind of just have to grow thick skin mm. and i always think back to you know brené brown like i mm. love her books and she talks yeah. about it in daring greatly and she says you know you should really just care about the opinion of the five people that you respect and trust the most yeah. mm. so now when i get a negative comment or negative feedback like for no reason these are people mm. that don't even know me perhaps have made an assumption about me mm-hmm. i just think back and i think actually i really don't care about your opinion thank yeah. you but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, haters gonna hate yeah, it's fine oh, man you should it's see fine. some of the, the the comments i get on youtube taking <laughs> shots like patron <laughs> to continue the taylor swift, taylor swift quotes. Says it best, yeah. Yeah. So, so what is She's the the deal with the dharavi video for our listeners i okay. saw it but yeah, yeah so I was working on a furniture product, right, with mm. a big Italian brand. And I thought, what better way to celebrate my country, my heritage, than go back and get the raw materials from a place like Dharawi. Mm. It has such negative connotations, but there's a plastic industry in Dharawi that recycles all the waste from Mumbai. Wow. And I thought, what a better way to start. So yeah. I yeah. did just a research video, right? I went mm. there, I looked at the leather manufacturing in Dharawi. Mm. I looked at the plastic um, waste recycling centers. And I just put a video out saying... I thought it was a cool video, by the way. Yeah. It was like the first time I've seen you do like a vlog style video. Yeah. 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 So and maybe it was, it was something unexpected for your audience. Maybe. Yeah. But, it was so but what funny. was the feedback? So, so the feedback was... How can you wear that dress and those sunglasses and walk around Dharawi? What do you know? And I'm like, <laughs> actually, I'm 100% Maharashtrian. So I actually spoke to them in Marathi. They're like, mm. they don't even understand the language you're speaking in. 
and you can't shoot in Tharavi without permission. So yeah. we've been very careful, and we've done it respectfully. Like yeah. we're not showing anyone's homes. I was talking about the plastic industry, yeah. but you can see how <laughs> how silly people are. You know, they yeah. didn't understand the content. They didn't understand what I was trying to do, but they were out there commenting, yeah. and I couldn't help but engage. But eventually, I was like, stop. Yeah, Step yeah. Back. You're not my top five that I care yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just, just in yeah. case you guys don't know what Dharavi is, it is uh, one of the world's largest slums. Uh, so it's, uh, it's unofficial housing in India. It's massive, but uh, some of the biggest trades that uh, happen, like um, leather, leather, plastic yeah. recycling, yeah. bunch of other things, come out of Dharavi. So um, you know, you, you, I wouldn't be surprised if your Gucci wallet was probably made there. You know, <laughs> like so. Dharavi's yeah. got its own leather brand, and yeah. you know, like yeah. we have to celebrate things like that not and yeah. raise awareness about it. I mean, I think that uh, people just take things out of context, and you have know, an yeah, have an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. These I mean, days, you you so. were there literally sourcing materials <laughs> for some of the world's greatest furniture manufacturers in Italy. You know, you do a lot of work yeah. with Italian designers, mm. and, and you're promoting these people, promoting these businesses, mm. winning them contracts to mm. supply. Batteries yeah. in, in India. Mm. What's not to like? It's yeah. not cultural appropriation. It's, it's sales and marketing. Yeah. 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 No, I think, I, I do think haters going to hate. And at the end of the day, it's really helping your business grow uh, and whatever it's <laughs> yeah yeah you do because um i think like i was saying earlier as well you utilize all the resources that you have on hand so um whether it's media whether it's your marketing skills whether you're a great speaker so you're speaking at events i think yeah. it's really important to do that i think you should definitely leverage whatever is uh, positive for you if you're a bad public speaker don't do it but yeah you know if and you're, if you're good a bad at it, public speaker she was a terrible a plug, public speaker five years ago that saved me. <laughs> I was just going to do a plug for it. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're a bad public speaker, get Read. Proudly, sir. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, oh, I don't remember her being a bad public speaker. But I still am, I think. I, I'm very, very shy. And, I, and most people don't see that because they just see me out there, and, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's taken a lot of coaching and training, and I work on it. Like, with yeah. anything else, you want to get ripped, you go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. be a good public speaker, you, you do lots of it. So, speaking of crowd pleaser, that's your new book that's just come out a few months ago, right? Six months or so? Yeah, it came out in March at the Lit Fest, Emirates Lit Fest, which awesome. was beginning of March. So, okay. you got two books now. Um, I'm just curious, what was your motivation to write a book in the first place? So the first book was 10 years ago. It came yeah. out and it was called I Sink remember or Swim. when it came out. There. Yeah. 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 And it was about, it was, it was came out the week that my son was born. So I can always remember when it came out. Yeah. And that was about the boom and bust of Dubai's real estate yeah. market. Mm -hmm. We've all been here through 2006, 7 and the boom times and then the crash mm -hmm. in 2007, 8 and 9. And it was about that. What's the difference between the companies that sank in that? difficult time and the ones mm. that swam and mm. the, the basic answer of the book is debt the ones that had loads and loads of debt sank and the ones that didn't have too much debt companies like mr properties for example did actually perfectly well during mm. the downturn so that was an important book as a business journalist to write there was just a question that i wanted the answer to why, why are some companies blowing up and others mm. okay yeah um the crowd pleaser book was slightly different and i kind of started writing that by accident it's a public speaking manual. Okay. And to give you the potted version, about five or six years ago, I was doing a lot of coaching and training in public speaking. 
okay. to various companies around mainly Dubai but the Mumta Gulf as well. Had designed the website and the business card. Do you oh, not remember? Oh my god. But talk how media. Back we go. Talk, talk. media. Yes. Oh talk my media, god. Yeah. Right. You yes. did yeah 10 or 12 years ago. Yes. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Before yeah. Squarespace and things like that where you <laughs> yep, yep, do it exactly. for $20. Yeah. Yeah. You needed yeah. a cool designer like you. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of public speaking training and as part of that I uh, I would teach them, you know, a technique, for example, mm. the, the Steve Jobs Twitter-friendly headline technique. Mm. Today, Apple reinvents the phone. It's a technique. It's well-known in public speaking circles. Yeah. It's called mm. the Twitter-friendly headline. Summarize your speech in one 140-character oh, phrase. Clickbait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clickbait's in there. There's, yeah. All these things are in there. Yeah. And so what I'd end up doing is to give my students or clients, because they're all from corporations, a kind of uh, handout at the end of it. I'd write a 500-word summary of this. Mm-hmm. So I'd have the 500-word summary of the Steve Jobs Twitter-friendly headline. I'd have the 500-word summary of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream mm-hmm. lessons on on rhetoric. I'd have the 500-word summary of how to structure a presentation using mm-hmm. the Decca grid or the pyramid or something like that. And after about two or three years, this was a kind of Word document, okay. a kind of crappy, ugly Word document. But there were maybe 30 of these things in it, these 500-word summaries, with some little diagrams. And some of the students said, you know what, this is really good. This Mm -hmm. is actually more useful than your course. Why didn't you write a book about this? I thought, well, why not? If it's useful, then I will do. Because I like these greatest hits books. I've got a lot in in my library. The 50 philosophy ideas you need to know yeah. so you've got Plato mm. in there and yeah. Karl Marx or the 50 psychology ideas you need to know mm. and it will be Sigmund Freud will be in there and so on but yeah. there wasn't one for public speaking mm. and I thought, right. well, it would be it would be useful to have one for public speaking and I've already started writing it. Yeah, half <laughs> the content is there. It, 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 well, as it turns no, out, no. half the content was in there. So it, it took a <laughs> long, years. long time. It took five years. It took oh, about wow. three years to research and write it. But then we designed it beautifully. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't have a copy with me here, but it is beautifully laid out and designed. And Pallavi actually design directed it. Art, art direction. I didn't oh, actually amazing. Do the graphics, but it was. We had two great, great designers two working on it. Designers. So it's beautifully illustrated, but that takes a lot of time. And it was yeah. essentially self-published by me. Okay. So there's a lot of time. So there's there's, there's 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 caricatures, there's illustrations, there's diagrams, there's graphs, and it, it's it's a gorgeous looking thing. But that probably added a year and a half to the production mm. schedule because we've all got day jobs as well. Yeah. Um, so, so big shout out to Michelle Clements, one of the designers, and Kim Baroma, okay. both based in here in Dubai. Both Amazing. awesome people. Cool. Okay. So do you great. think it's something that would be helpful for look, uh, people looking to like pitch? investors and stuff or is it more for like mass audiences uh no it is and then pitching is is part of it i mean the public speaking is a kind of catch-all phrase isn't it we think first and foremost of the the keynote speech and you're going to jodhpur in india (laughs) in a couple of days to give a keynote speech Mm -hmm. but actually a lot of what what you do with public speaking is pitching to three or four people in a room yeah and and it's funny i i'm very good give me a thousand people and lots of lights and a microphone and i have no nerves mm-hmm. okay but give me a room full of three senior executives and i'm pitching with you for new business <laughs> i'm terrified and i'm that's the opposite your natural that's, habitat that's my sweet spot right yeah. so i think like going back to structuring a pitch right mm-hmm. and that's what i do for a living i yeah. think you know design is such a small part of what i do marketing and selling my designs yeah. convincing other people to buy into my story into my idea for their vision mm-hmm. is a huge part of what we do mm-hmm. so i think that book not not that book richard basically helped me structure how to pitch because mm-hmm. everybody wants to hear a story think about yeah. how we grow up yeah you have a little child now mm-hmm. you read her a story every mm-hmm. night yeah. that's how our brain kind of connects yeah. connects to a story so I can't just say here's a beautiful design take it or leave it you know it's like 
this is your story what is the feeling yeah. behind it yeah, or what's the for story sure. no for sure. people want to buy from people and the only way you'll connect with someone if they'll share a little anecdote or <laughs> if they'll share a story that just makes them more real yeah. authentic it's a personal experience then. yeah i mean like um, it works the same way on youtube as well when you're doing a vlog like you could have the most beautiful uh, visuals. uh like visuals yeah. right yeah. like say, but like after a minute of beautiful visuals nobody's going to continue watching it yeah. right there has to be Content. some kind of story element to it or there has to be some kind of thought provoking mm-hmm. thing in it mm-hmm. otherwise nobody's going to give you that attention right so mm-hmm. i think it's kind of similar yeah. um in that way uh, yeah. storytelling's always been important and so we we use within raw storytelling in in two different ways and mm-hmm. you can explain what it is one is we tell our own story the story of the company there's the local girl made good story palavi mm. was born and raised here in the uae <laughs> not from a particularly wealthy family studied at university scholarship student and now doing really really well the other story is the all woman studio story mm-hmm. but yeah. it's not that's the least important mm. element of storytelling in the business the most important bit of storytelling is it's design storytelling every design has to have a narrative al rawi mm. the bookshop the design is inspired by mm. literary elements and, mm-hmm. and and that is where storytelling comes to life in design isn't it oh mm-hmm. yeah like 100% i people are buying what the project is about right so it's mm-hmm. it's about the philosophy of the project let's use alrawi as an example right mm-hmm. it was a coffee shop but it was also a retail store mm-hmm. and i started that the design of that project with understanding how do people use books you know mm-hmm. some people fold like they dog ear the book some people mm-hmm. put a bookmark mm-hmm. i started studying the stitch on the spine of the book mm-hmm. and when you go to alrawi which is in sharjah again mm-hmm. that's my neck of the herds you know that's where i grew up you'll see those references translated into a three dimensional space so you'll see mm. cut off elements that reference back to the dog earring or you'll mm. see like a stitch detail that's a partition between spaces mm-hmm. okay. so i think you know we try and translate that feeling or that essence of a space three dimensionally that's yeah. awesome just yeah, to, to clarify al rawi means the one who tells a story yeah. in arabic it's, it's the arabic word for storyteller okay. and sharjah has been the the literary hub of, of the gcc really for 30 years or so yeah. it's highness right. the ruler of sharjah is a is a writer He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a literary man, Sharjah Book Fair. It's something festival. that I went to as a child. It's 30 years mm-hmm. old. And they yeah. wanted to create this cafe that wasn't just a cafe, that was going to be a hub for literary events. I've been to book launches there. Is it a government space? No, it's, it's a private it's just, space. It's, it's private. private yeah. 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 Okay. And, and you've won some awards for it We as did, well. yeah. yeah. And it's up for an international award like oh, in, a month, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. The amazing. London Restaurant Bar Design Awards. Mm. And Shababik, another restaurant we've designed, won the BBC Awards. So, you know, it's really interesting that these are like little spaces yeah. in the cultural capital, I think, of the UAE, which is Sharjah, mm. that are making big waves internationally. Like Wallpaper Magazine has featured them. Interior Design Magazine in America has featured these spaces. Right. It's cool. amazing, yeah. So it's quite a nice pat on the back. Yeah. yeah. So um, I wanted to check with you about this. Like, uh, so you guys have won tons of awards, or at least it seems like from your social media. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we give ourselves awards every day. <laughs> well done. High five. Here's an award. <laughs> but um, uh, tell me something. Is it what Woody Allen said. Everyone gets uh, an award these days. World's greatest fascist dictator. Adolf Hitler. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, do you um, intentionally pursue it? Or uh, like, do you How go out an and like uh, make sure that you're, um, you know, Entry. a part of all these competitions or award ceremonies? You and know, do you like specifically do work that is you think is going to be award winning? I think that's a great question, Sid, because I find that a lot of designers these days are designing for that Instagram moment 
to be published in a certain journal and to win an award. Mm. Okay. Yeah. When I first started out the company, I entered every single award because mm. nobody knew us. Like, who's Pallavi Dean? Like, where did mm. she come from? You yeah. know. Mm. So it was very important. It was a great marketing tool, and we were sure. very fortunate to have won a couple of those early awards. Mm. And back then, I think I was looking for some kind of you know validation. Ex- yes, validation. external validation. Mm. But now that we've matured as a company, and you know, we're six years into it. Now we've picked up the international awards. We've been published internationally. We won some local awards, and as Richard says, everybody's winning awards these days. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen a single firm that doesn't call itself award-winning firm. Mm. So I've actually intentionally taken that off some of okay. our marketing and media because I just okay. like it's becoming a little bit oversaturated that award-winning yeah. space. Sure. Now I think what we're focusing on our design process is evidence-based. It's research-based. We have an in-house psychologist that we collaborate with. Okay. So. You know, we've done that, been there, and I think it's very cyclical. We all have to go through that journey. Mm-hmm. But I feel in many ways we're over it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good awards company, you know. <laughs> I love dressing up for it, going so, up So you're not day. kissing any award committees, right? But I think there's an interesting point to your question. It's do we create our designs? Do you design something to be an award-winning design? No. no. You yeah. design an experience for the people who are going to use the space, the family in a home, the yeah. students mm. in a school, mm. the customers in a restaurant, the workers in an office. You don't design to win awards, but entering awards is a time-consuming business oh, and we spend yeah. a lot of time and energy. It we does do. not happen. And you lose. I mean, what's the success rate? I don't um, know. One in, one in eight? Five, I think. Something yeah. one in six or something I mean, like you that. don't win everything. Like People yeah, don't see sure. the ones we don't win. Yeah. But you know, it's really interesting because like our clients range but you from, But you do put, sorry, uh, sorry to cut you off, but you do put time and energy 100%. into... Uh, a, it's, it's a business I wouldn't say promoting tactic, yourself, no? but like, uh, can't, um, what do you call it? Canvassing? Marketing our work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah marketing yourself to the award committee so I mean, that these, these submissions are time consuming yeah. the proper awards okay there are some that are just Mickey Mouse and you mm-hmm. pay a, a couple of thousand dollars and you win and you win <laughs> but the ones yeah. that matter yeah. and some of the local ones matter and they have impartial judging yeah. mm-hmm. the ones that matter they want to see all the photographs but not just the photographs they want what's the story mm-hmm. what was the brief what How problem you were you get solving? a return on investment for your client? You know, so there's so much more to design yeah. than just a pretty picture. Yeah. And I think we need to kind of steer clear of that. Like I said, mm. I hate design just for design's sake. I sometimes mm. see people who put up this beautiful minimal image and they're all mm. celebrating minimalism now. <laughs> Name one person who'd like to be in that space. Minimalism is trending right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, I listen to the minimalist podcast as well. So that's how far it's yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah, Which is wonderful, right? Yeah. But is it... Livable. You know, yeah, no, livable? no. Uh, definite, definitely function over form for me, you know? 100%. Like, I was telling someone the other day, like, I love the Mini. For the longest time, it was in my dream car list. And then I sat inside a Mini. Of course, this was a, a little while ago. And the speedometer was in the middle of the yeah. car. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, this this does not make sense to me. It looks beautiful on the outside, not working for me on the inside. I actually love the mini. <laughs> you nearly bought one a couple of weeks ago. I nearly bought one a couple of weeks ago just because it was so cute. No, so it's they don't do that anymore. They don't do that they anymore. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. But that was the best way that I could explain that, yes, as it much was, as I uh, love how things look, yeah. and I loved that it was a quirky uh, brand, and I wanted to kind of, you know, be a part of that brand yes. story as well. Still, I was like, this is not going but to be fun to drive. Manta, it's like Sophia Webster's shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two pairs. Yeah. I love them. I never yeah. wear them. Yeah. <laughs> you wear them for award ceremonies. Just for the photo shoot bit. <laughs> for the photo shoot Because the water yeah, yeah. go on for all night, right? So I'll, I'll be in my flip-flops uh, yeah. by then. The flats are hiding under the table. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I, want to, I want to finish off with a question because normally I'm the one asking the questions. Um, right. I, maybe I don't know how much your listeners know about what, what you're doing in your entrepreneurial venture. Yeah. Can you give me and Pallavi, because we've been friends for decades, but we haven't caught up for quite a while. Okay. Can you give me the kind of 60 or 90 second version of, of your entrepreneurial So yes. HRCar is a car rental marketplace. So what we do is we tie up with small to medium-sized car rental companies, not the Hertz or the Avis, but the medium to small ones because they offer better rates and better selection of cars. So we have now we're like a hundred car rental partners across Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Sharjah. So you can go online, reserve your car from them, get it delivered. It's a convenience thing and it's a choice thing, and you get better prices. That's what a jar car is. Sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's now been three years, and we've almost. been doing it for about three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not going to launch into a full-on business breakfast interview now, <laughs> but we will at some stage. We will. Sure. Yeah, sure. hopefully. Yeah. It's been tough though. Um, yeah. Uh, talking about that, like, do you, uh, being on the business breakfast show, you have access to a lot of businesses and things that are trending in business. Like, what do you think about the startup ecosystem in Dubai? Like, do you think it's on the way up or do you think there's still a long way to go? Like, are you guys interviewing more startups now? Like, what's happening there? I think we, we, we maybe reached peak startup about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. okay when With kareem was doing really really well yeah. and there were a lot of really good startups i mean kareem and suka the two that we think of has been the mm. big successes they have yes. the, the big buyouts by amazon and uber respectively but there are mm. many many others i mean i'm thinking of i don't know zawia back in the day yeah. more recently uh, things like mum's world things like spree yeah. the mm. luxury closet i mean there are many angami's a really really good one yeah. yeah but our listeners are now a little bit tired of the plucky startup mm-hmm. and okay. you mentioned the phrase entrepreneur mm-hmm. so yeah if you've raised you know a few million dollars and you're you're bona fide and and you've you've gone beyond just a business plan and some fools friends and family startup capital yeah. then people are interested yeah but you've the, shown some traction not yes. not i have an idea because everyone has an idea what if, what if somebody has a crazy cool product like does that work or no honestly not really yeah. to be honest okay. um you know the the wacky and the zany so you only want you guys only do success stories basically essentially because our <laughs> audience is only really interested in success stories i mean are you going to interview people mm. some person who's got a good idea for a business mm. sometimes you're not we do you, that you're, but your audience wants to listen to people who've been successful and well, made true. the arena and yeah, frankly you know if you made a few yeah. million dollars and you know you've got to have a bit of a track why are you going to listen uh, to, uh, no, they, to a podcast ha- about success unless that person has got a track record of actual success no okay so um I, w- I wouldn't say they're unsuccessful. They're successful in some way. It doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. Like last uh, episode we put out is this company called Brap. Okay. And they're a social media for musicians. And uh, musicians can collaborate over that app. So somebody can make a beat and somebody else can make a, a, you know, a guitar riff over it. Somebody else can rap over it across the world. And they've got, they don't make any money. Uh, they're they're not uh, monetized as yet, but they have like ten thousand people who have downloaded the app, and they're okay, doing cool, some yeah. cool technology. That's that, that success, anyway. exactly. There yeah. is some measurable, tangible success. Yeah, it's not just an idea. An idea. It's not yeah. just an idea. Cool. It's very good execution. It you looks know, like Instagram. You know, it's very cool. I think the one thing that we both really strongly believe in: we really need to stop like this glorification of entrepreneurship. You know, yes. yeah. you go to any book, you pick up a self-help book, or you go to any forum. Believe in yourself go for it just do it 
But you know what? Not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, it's a hard slog. Yeah. Some of us are better suited to an, you know, you, you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur <laughs> full time. No, I mean, Talk Media, the company mm. back in the day, Mamta, when you were designing mm. my website, mm. didn't work. Mm. I mean, it, it didn't. It, it wasn't a product it, market it fit at the yeah. time or. It, just, it, it was a perfectly good product or service. I just haven't got that X factor. So I've got a full time job now. I present mm. the business breakfast. I'm an employee of Dubai Holding. I get a monthly mm. salary, perks, benefits, mm. all that kind of stuff and i'm much better at that palavi on the other hand has got that entrepreneurial thing going on and yeah. you can do it yeah and, i have a you, reality you, distortion field that i think <laughs> most entrepreneurs need but then it's yeah. great having to partner with someone like him who is so intelligent because i'd say that's his superpower <laughs> it's not mine <laughs> who's so intelligent and who has such an in-depth research scientific process yeah. so i think we balance each other i'm like the doer the executor and he's mm. like the strategist the book thinker, smarts the and street smarts <laughs> smarts and th- street smarts yeah I'm that's a good combo to have okay you know i'm surprised Surprisingly, most of the people who we have on the show say that, like, yeah. you know, not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. Nobody realizes how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur. I've For experienced sure. that firsthand. Yeah. You know, like you have it huge grit yeah, like, it, and it crazy takes, tenacity. You keep getting curveballs all the time. You have yeah. to firefight you need to have a yeah. certain aptitude to be able to do that yeah. reality distortion field yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you need to have a real uh, you need to be yeah exactly reality I, you know there'll be people who'll come and say can you do this my first answer is always yes richard will always look at me and be like what did you just commit to? No, like, same. She's, yeah. she's kind of like that uh, same <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll i always say i'll find an answer I'll find a way. because i wouldn't say that i'm the smartest person in the room but i am very resourceful i will find a and, way to and ambitious it out. with her plans <laughs> yes 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 resourceful is so much more useful more, than smart yeah that definitely. was a tony robbins quote when tony robbins was here did you guys go to tony robbins no, we no didn't. i mean he's a force of nature self help guru yeah. he yeah. says it's not about the resources that you have as an individual or a company it's about the resourcefulness for yeah. sure for sure i've always like whenever i've managed people as well that's the advice i give them because i've taken on roles before i was ready for them and taken on challenges before I knew anything about them because I always said I'll figure it out I'll make some calls I'll go to Google yeah. and find a way you know I must so, give mom to that she's very resourceful yeah, yeah but but uh, but I always say yes and then I'm like <laughs> how do I do this five month old baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah five month old baby and I want to go to the gym and I want to do the podcast I don't want to do my business yeah, yeah. no sleep that's the answer yeah so um, uh, I think uh, we'll wind up there and um, we usually ask everybody on the show like if uh, they had any advice for anybody who's looking for to get into this whole world of entrepreneurship what would it be like what is one or two pieces of advice that both of you could give like to I mean mine would be don't give up your day job okay unless you you really think that you've got the right stuff mm-hmm. particularly if you've got dependents and people counting on you yeah. I've got a couple of kids you know you've got kids as well yeah. and I when I said in my business it wasn't a particularly good or better idea it made corporate videos they were mm. they were perfectly good yeah. but it wasn't a great product or service that was truly unique or different or better I haven't got that grit that tenacity that 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 bloody minded mm. sales driven mentality that you need as an entrepreneur so I'm mm. much better with a day job and mm-hmm. honestly you can have a happy fulfilled life and get paid well and, and all yeah. of the things that you would want if you marry the right person yeah. <laughs> so start with the side hustle is it started started as a side hustle till it's a proven concept 
Yeah. Not, not necessarily. No, sometimes you have to go all in. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to put it all on red. And I get that, but only put it all on red. If you Before sure. you put it all on red, think about the consequences, think about yourself, think about the product and service. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think for me, it's kind of like you have to be authentic. Okay, so you can't model yourself on somebody else's journey. So you can't be the next Steve Jobs and you can't be the next Ray Dalio, I don't know, or Warren Buffett, right? Yeah. It has to be what is authentic to you. And I remember, you know, people always saying to me, my God, you're bossy, my God, you're like this. And I'm like, no, I'm assertive. I get things done. And I never molded myself because I was mm. always the only woman in a construction site. You were always bossy. And I was always, yeah. <laughs> it's actually a wonderful skill. It's a talent. Yeah. Yes. I get stuff done. Yeah. And, you know, I remember people telling me. I find it hard to do that. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, and, I, and I, you know, I hate this because I think that when women are being assertive, they're called bossy. bossy. But when men but are. But I've never heard a, a man someone, called, someone, a I man find it hard to be overly assertive with the, like, called, yeah, employees and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but my, my thing would be don't mold yourself to someone else's, you know, notion of what a woman on a construction site should be like. I wear a pink hard hat because sometimes I want to embrace the inner femininity and I sometimes I wear high heels as well, you know, <laughs> to a construction site. I don't always have to be a man in a man's world, you know, pretend to be a man in a man's world. But I will always just be myself. So you have to be authentic. Mm -hmm. Okay, on that That's awesome yeah. piece of advice, I think we're going to wind up the show. Uh, we're going to leave links in the description to Roar. Uh, we'll also leave links to Richard's books. So if you guys want to buy it, is it available? Yeah, Amazon.ae. Amazon.ae. Awesome. Amazon awesome. Cool. So anybody who wants to buy it can get it there. Uh, we'll definitely leave the link in the description as well as the social media handles and stuff if you guys want to reach out. Um, this show is available on all the podcast platforms. So if you guys want to download it on Apple or Google, it's available everywhere. Please do leave us a review because that really helps us spread the word and get more people listening to the show. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you leave us a like and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We'll maybe pass on the comments to these guys and maybe Only they'll... Only they're nice. <laughs> Only uh, they're leave, nice. leave us several comments after you watch the Tharavi video. <laughs> <laughs> Positive uh, ones, guys. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Keep Keep having us. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, that was awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Right. Keep on hustling. <laughs>